Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. Let me ask you a question as we get started. How many of you have ever felt like you're under attack? Show of hands. You ever felt like you're under attack? Yeah, I, I think we've all been there. We've all, all been in those seasons or maybe just a moment where it just feels like somebody's out to get us, where it just feels like somebody is trying to cut our legs out from under us. And sometimes it's within our own families where there's somebody we love and we care about and we give and give and give and give and give and they take and take and take and take and they're unappreciative about it and you just feel like they're attacking you. Uh, some, sometimes it's somebody at work where it just feels like they've got some motive going on, they've got something going on, and it just feels like they're always causing conflict, they're always causing drama, they're always causing junk. Uh, Sometimes it's in your neighborhood. Wherever that is, we've all been there. We've all been in those moments where we're in conflict. We've all been in those moments where there's drama around us. And the truth is, we don't know how to handle it very well. I mean, if we need any indication of that, we can look online and we can see the craziness of how teenagers are dealing with conflict today. I mean, you, you watch the news and you, you hear about teenagers calling out each other, te- each other, just yelling out at one another. You read about or, or you hear about teenagers getting into fights and videoing it on their phone, then uploading it. You see them uh, spreading gossip and rumors and lies. You even see them creating fake profiles online where they're pretending to be the person that they're hating on. I mean, this generation has perfected online bullying. They don't know how to deal with conflict. And the truth is, they've learned it from us. Maybe we don't do it in the same way, but just because we're older, just because we're a little bit further along, doesn't mean we know how to handle conflict. And so what happens in our life, we end up in conflict, we end up in a situation that we didn't see coming, and in the middle of it, we're tempted to lash out. In the middle of it, we're tempted to say something that we can't take back. In the middle of that conflict, we're tempted just to walk away and say, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm done. And so this morning, what we want to talk about is how does the faithful ones fight back? In other words, how do you handle criticism? How do you handle conflict? How do you do it in a healthy way? So on your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you have one of those, go ahead and pull it out. If you got something to write on, something to write with, I'm going to ask you to write down some principles today. This helps in a couple of ways. One, if there's something that you find helpful, you can write it down and take it with you for the rest of the week. Or two, if I get really boring, you can play tic-tac-toe with the person next to you, so it'll be to your advantage. I'll think you're taking notes. You're like, ah, got this, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to follow along and be a part of it, because today we're going to be looking at a famous past, uh, passage in Scripture. It comes from Daniel chapter 6. Now, the danger of me saying Daniel chapter 6 is some of you know what that story is. It's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And that's like one of the top five stories in all of Scripture. People are like, hey, I know about the garden. I know about Noah's Ark. I know about the Red Sea. Daniel's in the lion's den. So so the danger is for us just to put it as a Bible story. The danger is to treat it like it's some nursery rhyme. The danger is just to treat it like it's some safe little lesson in our mind. We picture this young guy named Daniel who's pretty good looking. He's got, he's pretty fit. He's got it together. And he, he ends up hanging out with lions, but these lions are pretty tame. They're like little kittens. And he gets put into the lion's den and he just sort of takes a nap with his head on, resting on one of the lions. See, that's the danger. The danger is to say, well, I know the story. I know how it turns out. But I'm telling you, in Daniel chapter 6, this is drama. In Daniel chapter 6, he doesn't know how the story's going to end. 
In fact, in Daniel chapter 6, he's about 80 years old. He's not a teenager at this point. He's 80 plus years old, and when he's thrown into the den with the lions, these aren't pets. These aren't like circus animals. These are real lions that want to eat you alive. I don't know if you've seen a lion up close. I've had the privilege of seeing a lion up close when we've gone on our mission trips to Kenya. When you go there and you find out, hey, we might see a lion, there's something inside of you that's like, man, I hope we see it. It's going to be awesome. And then when you get sort of in the area, they're like, hey, there's been known to be lions here. You're like, awesome, let's see a lion. Let's see him kill something. This would be great. And then when you find yourself four feet from that lion, and you're in one of those little trucks that doesn't have a top on on it, you go from, hey, this would be awesome to see him kill something to, I hope I don't die today. I mean, you see just the massive thing that is this lion. And so Daniel chapter 6 is a moment where Daniel gets accused of something, It's the moment that he finds himself in conflict, and what I love is Daniel figures out how do the faithful fight. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to follow along, or if you have an app on your phone or tablet that you can follow along. Here's what it says, Daniel chapter 6, listen to verse 1. And it pleased Darius. So Darius is the third king that Daniel has served at this point. When Daniel's young, in chapter 1, he's stripped away from home. He serves a guy named King Nebuchadnezzar and all of that. And so he goes from obscurity to being one of the chief officials under Nebuchadnezzar. Then later, Belshazzar becomes the king. But now, in Daniel chapter 6, there's a guy named Darius who's the new king in town. And it says, And it pleased Darius the king to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, these are basically administrators. This guy is an organized kind of political leader where he looks at the land and he's like, I need to divide it up. I need there to be more leaders. So these 120 satraps are basically 120 administrators whose job is to keep the peace, whose job is to collect the taxes. Their job basically is to balance the nation's checkbook. Not a bad job, right? And so he puts in charge these 120 satraps. Here's what it says to be throughout the whole kingdom, verse 2. And over them, three presidents, of whom Daniel was one. So here's what we see. We see this new king in town, this new king organizing the, the, the nation. He puts 120 satraps ruling over various parts of the nation. He puts over those 120 administrators. He puts three over them. One of those is Daniel. And then he decides, I'm going to promote Daniel to be the second in charge in all the land. And these other people hate it. These other two guys that were part of the three that Daniel was part of, they don't like it. They get ticked off. They get jealous. And so what happens in Daniel chapter 6 is this is basically the Old Testament version of the Hunger Games, right? I mean, these guys are angry. These guys don't like Daniel. And so they orchestrate, they architect a moment to try to trip him up. What do you do when you're in conflict? What do you do when it feels like you're under attack? What do you do do when it feels like you're doing the right thing and yet you're still getting pushback? Well, there's three truths that come right out of Daniel chapter 6. I'm going to invite you to write them down. Number one, truth number one that we need to carry with us if we're going to fight faithfully. Number one, we need to expect opposition. We need to expect it. We need to expect that there's going to be attacks in our life. In fact, if you're taking notes underneath that, just write down this one phrase that I've been wrestling with all week long. When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. 
When God raises you up, expect people to tear you down. When God promotes you for doing the right thing, when you're obedient to doing what God wants you to do, when God raises you up, expect that other people will try to tear you down. That's what happens for Daniel. Listen to what happens in Daniel's story. Look at verse 4. It says, Then the high officials and the satraps, so these administrators, sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. They don't like him. They're like, how can we take him down? Can we dig up any dirt? Can we find out any uh, dirt from his background? Do we have any oppo stuff that will make him look bad to the public? But here it says in verse 4, they're looking to make a complaint against him with regard to the kingdom. But the middle of verse 4 says, but they could not find any ground for complaint. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault. Why? Because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. They're jealous. These guys are angry. They're trying to, trying to find dirt on him. And yet they are frustrated because Daniel is faithful. See, there's going to be moments in our life that we get attacked. There's gonna be moments where people come out of the woodwork. There's gonna be moments where we feel like we're trying to do the right thing and yet people are still attacking us. And man, I think the reason why that catches us off guard so much, I think the reason why we struggle with that so much is because we just don't expect it. It's almost like we bought into this idea that when I say yes to Jesus, then life ought to be perfect. It's almost like we buy into this idea that if I do the right thing, that everything's going to go right, but that's just not how it happens. Because often when there's promotion on the outside, there is drama and tension on the inside. Instead of being shocked by it, we need to expect. In fact, if you're taking notes underneath that first point, here's what I've learned about it. A, it's usually caused by someone we know. It's usually caused by someone we know. That conflict that messes with our heads is usually coming from somebody that we know and it's somebody that we care about. Now, certainly we've all been attacked by people we don't know and it does sting, but at the end of the day, you're like, well, some people just don't get it, right? Haven't you ever said that in your mind? You're like, well, they just don't get it. They're just a knucklehead or whatever, or they're a little bit weird. Has anybody else said that on a Sunday? They're a little bit weird or is that just me? Anyway, so, so in our mind, whenever we're attacked by a stranger, we're like, ah, there's some people that are strange, right? There's some people that have too many cats, right? Do we have any cat lovers here, anyway? What about dog lovers? Do we have dog lovers? Yeah, awesome, awesome. See, I, I, yeah, I've, I've never seen a seeing eye cat, right? You can't take a cat hunting with you, right? So I, I'm more of a dog guy, so we've got a manly 10-pound cockapoo. Anyway, don't laugh at that, right? But, but honestly, when you come under attack from a stranger, it's easy to think, well, they're just a little bit different. They're special. I mean, who in the world would buy the thin Oreo cookies? I mean, some people are just off, right? We saw a commercial on TV for thin Oreos. I'm like, who in their, in their right mind would say, I want just a little bit of filling in my Oreo? I mean, the mega stuff should be the only one that's ever invented, right? It's, uh, yeah, I'm going to get an amen or revival on Sunday morning here talking about it, all right? So usually when it comes from a stranger, you're like, ah, something's just off. But man, when somebody you know, when somebody you love, when somebody you care about, somebody you've invested in, somebody you've poured into, when they attack, suddenly it gets personal, right? So A, it's usually caused by someone we know, and then B, it usually comes during a season of success, haven't you seen that? 
Everything else is finally starting to fall into place. We're finally getting on track. We're finally putting the pieces back together. We're finally getting it back together. And it's almost like in that moment, this is what's happening for Daniel. Daniel is serving this third king, the first king, Nebuchadnezzar. He interprets the dream. He gets promoted. The next king uh, uh, sees the writing on the wall. Daniel interprets it. He gets promoted. This third king, he gets promoted. And in that season of success, the attack begins to happen. Nobody's immune to it. I remember several years ago, I, I love being a pastor. I absolutely love getting to be one of the pastors here at this church. I love serving alongside people. I absolutely love it. But man, I remember, I don't know, it's been probably four or five years ago, I was in one of these seasons where things were falling into place. Things were going well. And then literally, I was on my way to speak at a youth event where we had like 500 teenagers there. And I was sort of in the zone. Like, I, I, this was some, sometimes as a preacher, you sort of carry what some old preachers would call the burden. There's, sometimes there's just truth that's like inside of you, and it's weighty, and, it's, and you feel vulnerable with it. So I'm on my way to this event where I'm going to speak to over 500 teenagers. I'm just expecting that there's going to be students that get saved. I'm expecting there's going to be students that, that literally change the course of the rest of their life. I'm carrying that with me. And then on the way to that event, I made the mistake of pulling out my cell phone and checking my email. Have you ever done that at the wrong time? Have you ever been right before bed when you're ready to sleep and you open your email and there's that email? I had one of those kind of emails in my inbox where there was a leader uh, that I served alongside that man sent me a scathing email, a scathing email. And as I was reading that email as a volunteer, that there, there was something that, that wasn't said the way that they thought it should be said or promoted the way they thought it should be promoted. And they went off for paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. Here I am carrying this burden, like I'm about to speak into these students' lives. I'm the only person that's gonna do that tonight. There's 500, I, I wanna steward that well. And then I open this email and I get the scathing email from this volunteer that's like, I can't believe that that's the way it was handled. I can't believe that you guys don't value this. I can't believe, and it went on and on and on. It's like church the church leaders, the church, and as I read that, I knew that every time they said the church, and then when they said the church leaders, what they literally were meaning was me, because I'm the one that messed up the thing that they were so ticked off about, and man, I'm telling you, in that moment, I was like, why now? I mean, really? Is this the moment? Why, why, first of all, why a scathing email? Why not give me a call and say, hey, can we talk? Right? Why, why, why a scathing email on the way? Well, that's the nature of it. Number one, expect it. Expect in all of our lives that there's going to be opposition. There's going to be attacks. There's going to be moments where we're tempted to say, I'm going to take this matter into my own hands. And man, I'm telling you, you can't expect to be used greatly by God unless you're ready to face attacks. It's going to happen. So number one, expect opposition. Not only that, number two, if you're taking notes, examine your options. Examine your options. You've got to decide, what am I going to do? What am I going to do in this moment? Am I going to send an, a scathing email back? Am I going to go off on this person? Am I going to write them off? Am I going to unfriend them? Am I going to talk about them online? Am I going to tweet about them? Am I going to, uh, what am I going to do in this moment? Daniel had options. See, here's what it says in verse 6. These other leaders, the other administrators, 
decide we've got to trip Daniel up. So they go to the king and they butter the king up. They play to his ego. I don't know exactly all that they said. I don't know if they walked in and said, king, you're looking extra fit today. Are you a crossfitter now? Are you on a new diet? I mean, you look swole. Your, your robe is pretty tight. In the right, I don't know how they, they, they stroked his ego, but here's what it says in verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps, again, administrators, people ruling the land with them, came to an agreement to the king, and they said to the king, O King Darius, live forever. They're buttering up. O king, live for, forever. Verse 7. And all the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors, they agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition or prays to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, they shall be cast into the lion's den. They're building him up. King, you're awesome. King, you're amazing. May you be the king forever. In fact, king, to show our honor, we think you ought to make a law that says nobody can pray to any other god, any other thing for the next 30 days. And if they do, we'll throw them in the lion's den. So it says in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Verse 9, Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. It becomes law. Well, again, they couldn't find anything on Daniel. They couldn't find any dirt on him. And so they're like, all right, the reputation is this guy prays three times a day. So here's what we'll do. We'll make the king come up with this law for 30 days. If anybody's caught praying to anybody else, they'll die in the lion's den. Daniel's got to decide, what am I going to do? We got to decide. In the middle of opposition, in the middle of attacks, we've got to decide what we're going to do. Daniel had at least three options. Option number one, he could have just stopped praying for 30 days. I mean, really, who, who would have blamed him? Daniel's been faithful for 80 years. He's been praying three times a day for most of his life. He could have said, all right, God, I'm not walking away from my faith, but just for 30 days, I'm just going to take a break. He could have done that. His second option was he could have kept praying, but he could have done it silently. He could have been like, I'm still going to pray, but I'm not going to do it the way that I've been doing it. I'm just going to do it internally. I'm just going to do it silently. And if anybody catches me like mumbling or mouthing something when I go to eat or whatever, I'll just say, hey, I was just thinking about something. something, something. All right, he could have played it down. Or the third thing he could do is keep doing as he's always been doing. I love what this says. Look at verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he knew it's law. Well, I, I can't do this without breaking the law. When Daniel knew that the document had been sign, signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber. They were open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day. He prayed and he gave thanks before his God. Listen to this last phrase, verse 10, as he had done previously. As he'd done previously. Daniel knows how to carry the character of God in this dark world. He doesn't make a big show about it. He's not making a big fuss. He doesn't go off and say, you can't tell me. He just keeps doing what he's already done because he made a commitment at a young age. Man, I want to talk to my God. 
He made a commitment at a young age to say, my God created me. I'm in a relationship with him. And the only way I can grow that relationship is if I talk to him every single day. And Daniel's like, I can't just talk to him one time a day. I can't just talk to him over meals. I need to get up in the morning. And the first thing in the morning, I need to surrender this day to God. And in the middle of the day, when all the junk and just the grind of daily life has, has taken on a form, I need to go to him and I need to recenter in the middle of the day and say, God, I give you the rest of this day. And at the end of the day, I need to reflect back and I need to thank God for how he's provided and I need to prepare for the next day. I'm going to keep doing what I've always done because I know my God. That's the challenge. The temptation when we're under attack is to shift from living a life based on character to begin making decisions based on convenience. See, character says, I'm going to pray out loud. Convenience says, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Character says, I'm going to make decisions based on the principles of God. Convenience says, I'm going to make decisions based on my emotions. Character decision says, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Convenience says, I'm going to do whatever brings me pleasure. Character decision says, how will this impact my relationship with God in the future? Convenience says, what is best now in this moment? Character says, I want, I want to do what God's word says. Convenience says, well, what do other people think? Character says, I'm going to do the right thing regardless. And convenience says, I'll do whatever I want. That is the challenge. If you're taking notes underneath that second point, write this phrase down, bowing to pray Bowing to pray gives us strength to stand and fight. Bowing to pray is literally what gives us the strength to stand and to fight. See, if we don't have that kind of strength, we'll be tempted to be like, well, I'll do whatever the law says. I'll do whatever these leaders say. I'll, I'll do what everybody else is doing. When we don't have that sort of internal strength, we begin to making decisions based on convenience. Well, this is what everybody else does at the office, and this is the way everybody else closes the deal, and this is the way everybody else treats their spouse, and this is the way everybody else talks about their loved one. And that's not the question. The question is not how does everybody else do it, does it. The question is how do I do it God's way. How do I have the strength to stand? Sometimes you have to learn to stand. Sometimes you have to learn to say in the middle of conflict, I'm still going to stand. Now, those of y'all that have been around here a while know that Chuck makes fun of me a lot for not being able to sing. And I'll admit it, I'm tone deaf. That's why I like being in the front corner away from people. It caught me off guard when Tim and Steph slipped in at some point during the service. I thought, good, nobody's around me. I can sing out loud. And then I looked over my shoulder. There's Tim, who is a great worship leader. I'm like, holy cow, I better tone it down a little bit, right? So I'm tone deaf, but I love music. I absolutely love music. And haven't you ever just come across a song where there's just a lyric that helps and you're like, that speaks to this? So I've got a song. I'm not going to sing it to you. I just want to read you these lyrics when it comes to taking a stand, even when there's critics. See if you know this song. I stay out too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. That's what people say. I go on too many dates, but I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. That's what people say. But I keep cruising. Can't stop, won't stop moving. It's like I got this music in my mind saying it's going to be all right. Because the player's going to play, 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 play. 
and the haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Baby, I'm just gonna shake, 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 shake it off. The theology of T. Swift. At some point, we've got to be more concerned about the character of God inside of us than the convenience of the attack around us. At some point, we got to quit saying, well, I'm just, yeah, oh, I can't pray? Okay, and whatever that is for you. Maybe it's not prayer. Maybe it's you're, you're making a move in your job, and as you're making that move, you come under attack. Or maybe there is a loved one in your family. You're trying to give, 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 and they're just taking, 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 and you're like, I don't know what to do. Man, number one, we got to expect a fight. Number two, we've got to look at our options. Then finally, number three, we need to expect to overcome. We need to expect to overcome. Daniel does not know how this story is going to end. Daniel doesn't have a bound version of the Bible that says, oh, don't worry, Daniel. By the end of chapter six, you're going to be okay, and you're going to become part of a nursery story, and then we're going to have these little picture Bible. Daniel doesn't know that. What Daniel knows is that he keeps praying, so he gets told on. They go to the king. They're like, king, Daniel is breaking this law. And in that moment, the king realizes that he's been tricked into this. The king cares about Daniel. The the, the king doesn't want Daniel to die, but he also has to protect the power of his throne. And so he's like, all right, let's, let's throw him into the lion's den. So Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. It literally happened. This is true. And all night long, the king tosses and turns, tosses and turns, tosses and turns. He can't sleep. The next morning, he runs to the pit. He's like, Daniel, did your God protect you? Daniel, did your God protect you? And listen to what Daniel says in Daniel chapter 6. It says, uh, as Daniel is in that lion's den, here's what Daniel's reply is. Verse 21, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. A few verses ago, he didn't know that's the way it was going to end. A few verses ago, he could have been like, I'm about to become a little treat to these lions. But here's what Daniel knew. For 80 years, God had been faithful. For 80 years, God had been faithful. For 80 years, God had been faithful to Daniel, and so Daniel says, I'm going to obey regardless of what happens. If you're taking notes underneath that third point, here's the phrase, do what's right and trust God with the results. Do what's right and trust God with the results. See, I I don't know how your story's gonna end, Certainly not everybody's story ended like Daniel's, but here's what I do know. Our job is to do the right thing. Our job is to fight fair. Our job is to handle our haters in a holy way. Our job is to do the right thing. God's job is the results. 
My job is not to get even with everybody that hurt me. My job isn't to go off on social media. My job isn't to try to convince you how right I am and how wrong that other person. My job is to say, God, I want to choose to do the right thing. And regardless of what happens next, I'm going to trust you with the results. Here's what I love about Daniel. Daniel is in the middle of panic. Daniel's in the middle of opposition. And what's the first thing Daniel decides to do? He says, I'm going to pray. Isn't it crazy how we treat prayer as the last resort? Isn't it crazy where it's almost like we've got this checklist. I'm going to do this, 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 this. I've done everything I know to do. And then we use this phrase, I guess all we can do now is pray. What? There's a God in heaven that loves us. There's a God in heaven that loved us so much that he sent his own son. What do you mean the last thing we can do is pray? Maybe the first thing we need to do is pray and say, God, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what the results are going to be, but God, I'm going to trust you. So even now, I'm going to invite you. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? And even now, man, I'm so convinced. I agree with Hector walking in this place today. I think there's so much heaviness in the room. There's just so much stuff that's been going on. It seems like we've had so many people in the hospital, so many people undergoing life-threatening surgeries, losing people way too early. It has been crazy lately. I don't know if you feel attacked. I don't know if you feel helpless, but I want to invite you to do something that I think gives us strength to stand up to that attack. Right now, as we pray with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, this altar is open. This step right across, the reason why this step is here to provide a place to pray. And so this morning, if you feel like you're under attack this morning, if you feel like giving up this morning, if you're facing something that's overwhelming, there's nothing powerful about the step, but what is powerful is the posture of a person that comes before God, because I really believe that when we bow on our knees to pray, it gives us strength to stand. So all across this room as we're praying, if there's anybody that would like to come and just come and lay that down before the Lord, I invite you to do that. It doesn't matter if you're in the back. It doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a row. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, somewhere else. Even if you're watching online, you can make a spot even now where you can pray. And that I would be a person that quits seeing prayer as the last resort, that we would be a people that see prayer as the first thing that we do. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. Well, why would we do that? Because we don't have the strength to handle it ourselves. What do you mean we're going to pray? We're going to pray because there's a heavenly father in heaven that loves you. And just like your earthly father wants to hear the concerns on your heart, your heavenly father wants you to come to him with your needs. So maybe this morning you just want to start by saying, thank you, God, that you are here. Thank you that you are a heavenly father that loves your kids. Just say thank you. Maybe for the next moment, you just want to tell them what that thing is on your heart. What is that attack? What is that drama? What is that thing that's hurts? And tell them. He's not afraid of that. He's not scared of that. He's not offended by that. And just tell 
him, God, this is hard. This is tough. This is not what I expected. This is not what I planned. This is not what I prayed for. God, I'm bringing this before you. Just tell him what it is. Even at home, tell him what it is. Even on the podcast, tell him what that is. him for help. God, would you give me help today? God, would you give me strength today? God, I'm tempted to walk away. I'm tempted to quit. I'm tempted to give up. I'm tempted to think maybe this whole walking with you thing isn't worth it. Just say, God, would you help me to find strength today? God, we don't know if our story is going to end up like Daniel's. But we do know that we can trust you. God, we don't know if you're going to close the mouths of our lions today, but we do know that you're with us and that you care about us. God, we don't know how our part of the story ends, but we trust the one that is writing the story. God, would you cause there to be courage inside of all of us today? God, would you cause there to be hope rising up in us today? God, would you help us not to have a defeatist mentality where we just wander around helplessly, but let us walk in the confidence that the God of the universe came to live inside of us and he gives us strength. this truth to reign within us today. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.